Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We are on Discovering Hidden Treasure 8. And we are looking, or I've been looking at Proverbs 12 through 15. Just a kind of, you know, my same scenario, walking down the beach, picking up beautiful shells. And what happened, though, is in picking up different Proverbs and being excited about different things, um, there started to be a theme that developed. And, you know, a lot of the times we've been um, discussing Proverbs and just kind of talking about each one and setting it apart and um, the ones that were amplified to us and... um, but in this case, it's it's just the Holy Spirit really pulled a theme out of these scriptures and Proverbs. I could have probably pulled, if I had just tried to pull themes out, like, you know, because loving English and I even sub for, for um, 11th and 12th grade English, um, AP, and they're all smarter than I am. But anyway, it's an embarrassing. But... Um, They, uh, you know, so I can, I can pull a theme out, but I didn't pull this theme out. The Holy Spirit did. I could have pulled another theme out of, of Proverbs 12 through 15, but he pulled this out. And so I want you all to know that if you look at Proverbs 12, 11, it says he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Proverbs 12, 11. Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of a diligent of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. And then Proverbs 12, 27 says, The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. What the Holy Spirit kept pulling out of these scriptures was diligence, diligence, diligence. And I don't, I don't ever think I've ever even taught on diligence before. And it's been, this has really been an exciting road for me because it's so much more than I would have thought that it was. You know, it, it, just looking at Proverbs twelve twenty seven, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but, a, but diligence is a man's precious possession. If, if I look at that in, in the NIV, um, basically it just says a lazy man doesn't follow through with his job. That's kind of what it's saying. I mean, that's my interpretation. And then the NIV goes on to say, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. That, that diligence is literally a precious possession that we need to have. And it's follow through. It's so many things. Proverbs 13, 4 says, you can see where the Holy Spirit started pulling this theme out. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Now, we know that that rich doesn't necessarily always mean monetarily. People can get really confused on that. Matter of fact, in the midst of this, God gave He's so gracious to give his own word to even answer that in the midst of what we're studying because Proverbs fifteen sixteen is so true. And it says, better is little with the reverence of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. 
You agree? I mean, seriously. You know what? There, are, I would rather be, in, you know, sat, satisfied with my put my head on the pillow at night and feel good about the day and just live to glorify God than I would to have tons of riches and tons and tons and tons of trouble. Sorry, no, I wouldn't want that. And no one really. Well, I don't know. Maybe some people. If you're wise, you wouldn't want that. And so it's interesting to this. This scripture, Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. That reminding ourselves that the soul stands for the mind, the will, the emotions. So it's what you want, what you think, what you feel will be made rich. In other words, it's really kind of like Psalm 37 where God says, delight yourself in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. So it's like having that richness in your soul. When you meet people who, you, you meet people all the time who you can just tell they have, regardless of their circumstances, a richness in their soul, a satisfaction, a contentment, things that money can't buy, joy, things that money can't buy. You know, if money could buy those, people would be selling them on the, you know, I would get emails for that the enlargement of your joy instead of the emails that I get that I don't like. Okay, why do some musicians or athletes excel while others remain (coughs) mediocre? In his book, The Social Animal, David Brooks points to current research that reveals the common denominator in attaining excellence in a field, a long-term commitment to discipline and practice, diligence. Brooks writes... In 1997, Gary McPherson studied 157 randomly selected children as they picked out and learned a musical instrument. Some went on to become fine musicians, and some faltered. McPherson studied for the traits that separated those who progressed from those who did not. IQ was not a good predictor. Neither was aural sensitivity, math skills, income, or sense of rhythm. None of those were good predictors or factors. The best single predictor was a question McPherson asked the students before they even selected their instruments. How long do you think you will play? In other words, diligence. The students who planned to play for a short time did not become very proficient. The students who planned to play for a few years had modest success. But there were some children who said, in effect, I want to be a musician and I'm going to play my whole life. And those children soared. Growing Christians approached discipleship in a similar manner. I want to follow Jesus. Don't you think? Like, it's so simple. It, and it's so similar. Let's take that same example and, you know, Diligence is, I want to follow Jesus my whole life. Um, and, and you're going to soar not because you are the best Christian or you're the smartest or you're the most humble or you're the nicest. Not any of those reasons or, or any other reasons we can think of, but because of just the question of how long do you want to do this? I think that if, if we... You know, had a retreat and people received the Lord for the first time. That would be such a great question. You know, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. How long do you want to do this? 
And the people that say for eternity are going to have that diligence to hang in there when the word doesn't make sense, when life doesn't make sense, when they don't like what's going on, when they don't feel like heaven is open to them, when they feel like they're not getting it or with it, and they're going to stay in it. They're going to stay in it in diligence. And part of diligence for me is staying in the word because the word speaks truth to me, and I hear lies from the world all day long. And i got to get out of the world for just a little bit and get in the Word. And that's one of the hardest things for us to do. It's one of the hardest things for us to do. And yet it's part of diligence. And it's part of what I'm just... I get so excited when people get excited about getting in the Word. Because this is what happens. Your life begins to soar. And it soars above others just flying like, like an eagle. And... Um, you don't understand because it's even through difficult circumstances. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's God's goodness. There's a quote that's really interesting. It's an unknown source, but I thought it was pretty good. It says, if you aren't practicing, someone else is. <laughs> Do you know? I mean, so, okay, yeah, with a musical instrument or with whatever it might be. But seriously, if you aren't practicing your Christianity, someone else is. Don't think that people are like, you know, I received Christ my Lord and Savior and um, I'm just going to see how it goes. Well, that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. It's It's got to be the all or nothing deal. All or nothing. I mean, seriously. Diligence. I love these. Um, I did not write these, but I don't know who did. But it says, diligence. There aren't any hard and fast rules for getting ahead in the world. Just hard ones. That's number one, diligence. Number two, you don't have to lay awake at night to succeed. Just stay awake days. That's by um, I, uh, the magazine Healthways. <laughs> number three, there is no poverty that can overtake diligence. That's a Japanese proverb. Very interesting because they have such an intense work ethic. Number four, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Spurgeon said that. (laughs) Think about that, you know? I mean, seriously. I I never really thought about that before, but it's really like by perseverance that the two snails reached the ark. Maybe other snails could have gone there, but they weren't (laughs) diligent, you know? So they had to learn to swim real fast. Okay, number five, triumph is just oomph added to try. That is so true. Triumph is just oomph added to try. In other words, it's diligence. It's diligence. What is diligence? The word diligent, I love the American Heritage Dictionary. I just, I love to go back to, back to the original um, wording of things and, and including Um, Webster's original dictionary, but it says the word diligence means marked by persevering, painstaking effort. Okay, that that is literally their definition. Diligent is marked by persevering, painstaking effort. Diligent. You know, really, are we teaching our kids that? 
Is the federal government conveying that to the United States of America? Your life will be good, marked by persevering, painstaking effort? Or are we all like birds looking for a hand seed, a little handout of seed from, you know, someone and have that, you know, you owe me this? I mean, are, are we teaching our children, and I'm, I'm asking myself this too, um, no, you cannot quit, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's, there are times where, yes, you say, yeah, you know, it's time to lay this down. This is obviously not, you know, whatever, your passion, or you can't do seven sports, so let's try to narrow down. But do I do it to myself, too? Do I do the try with the oomph on everything? Because it says to everything that you do, the Bible says, for everything you do, do unto the glory of God. You do it for Christ. And so even if somebody asks me to do something and I'm thinking, this person has, you know, wronged my family or whatever. I'm just giving an example. I should just be able to easily do it unto Christ's glory because I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for him. And that makes it all so much simpler. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for him. So here, I, I, I looked at Proverbs, went back a little ways, but what really reminded me of this is with the diligence is that scripture in Proverbs 4.23 that says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issue of life. Okay? So if we now know what diligence means, it's saying basically, you know, guard your heart with persevering and painstaking effort. In other words, it's not going to be super easy to guard your heart where you can just go, okay, you know, whatever. I mean, it's going to be painstaking effort. You know, we have a propensity to be curious about evil. Um, I, I remember helping a lady get out of the satanic cult. I was young and just married and um, kind of just into the ministry that God was kind of leading me into. And um, anyway, I, I, I know the Holy Spirit was with me and protected me because I did so many dumb and stupid things. But one thing that I did do that I'm so thankful is I knew that scripture, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issue of life. And she always wanted to tell me what the satanic cult did during their rituals and in very detailed specifics, which of course your natural man inside you gets very curious and says, you know, what, what, you know, but she told me just enough to where I was like, you know what, that's defiling my heart. And so we need to even know that if we turn on the TV and there's something on there, sometimes you can just get locked in by just saying, I can't believe this is on TV. We need to cut it off and say, this is defiling my heart. We need to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of our life. Out of it flows the issues of things that happen with our children. Out of it flows the issues of all of the things of our lives. That is a huge scripture. Be aware, diligent of what you're thinking. You know, that's the other thing the Holy Spirit said to me this morning. Okay, be diligent about what you're thinking. 
Okay, well, is that scriptural? Yeah, very scriptural. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we're to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we're to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we need to be diligent about what we're thinking. Because sometimes we let our minds wander and God says, that's not okay. You don't, need to, you don't need to wander into jealousy. You don't need to wander into judgment. You don't need to wander. You need to be diligent and take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And, you know, people have said, well, that's so abstract, <laughs> you know, to, to, to try to understand that. And so my, my example that I've, that I've, God just gave me before that I've used and taught before is um, caller ID. If you're sitting there with your family and it's dinner time and you have everyone around the table and you fixed a nice dinner and the phone rings and you look at it and it's, you know, uh, something that you don't want to answer like, you know, we clean your refrigerator or something. I don't know. I'm just saying one eight 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 clean your fridge or something. You don't answer it. And so we need to have caller ID with our thoughts. We don't need to answer every thought. Just because you think something does not mean that it is good. Matter of fact, that is where Satan goes, is to your mind. He attacks you through what you think. But the book of Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so is he. The Holy Spirit speaks to you through your spirit man, which is like deep in your gut. And then your mind, like, sometimes doesn't even get it. (laughs) And that's why so many people that try to intellectually understand God miss it. It doesn't mean that you can't be intellectual and not understand God, but God's a spirit, and so he's going to talk to us spirit to spirit. So he's going to talk to your spirit. And, And the enemy goes to our minds every time. He goes to our minds. So here we go. Back to the American Heritage Dictionary. Y'all know I love words. You've got to hang in there with me. And um, synonyms for diligence. Industrious, conscientious, assiduous, and sedulous. And just hang in there with me because I think this is really good. Within this context, it says, These adjectives suggest steady attention and effort that is undertaken to accomplish something. Diligent connotes steady, meticulous attention to an ongoing job or task. And then there's a quote. They have won international renown for their diligent efforts to track down software bugs. That's a quote from somebody named Hiawatha Bray. Industrious implies energetic and productive application, often to a large or important endeavor. Madison's and Jefferson's vision of an agrarian republic made up largely of industrious farmers who marketed their burgeoning surpluses abroad. That's a quote from Drew R. McCoy. I mean, in other words, he's saying that it's that energetic production and that's it, in that endeavor that just keeps that energetic production. Do I have energetic production towards my faith in Jesus? 
Do I? Am I a diligent Christian? I mean, that's a great question to ask yourself. Am I a diligent Christian? Or do I let other people be diligent and then I go and I try to just, you know, seep off their diligence and then that just really doesn't last. I want to tell you what. When you get into a tough place, they're not always available. They're not always there to intervene between you and God. And I've had situations that have been horribly difficult um, in the last 20 years, but especially lately with life coaching um, where I've literally had to say, God is jealous (laughs) for you, and he wants you to latch onto him, and you're latching onto me. And I feel that this is not helping me. This is not what I'm here to do. And I think we need to be separated for a while. Well, it's happened to two different people. I've taken it as a huge insult, which is really hard for me because I'm such a people pleaser. But I know God's jealousy. I can feel it. And when a person starts to look at me like I'm on some kind of a pedestal or I hear from God directly or yada, 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 that is a bunch of baloney. Am I diligent in reading the word? I am. Sometimes I'm not. I wish I could say I was always perfect, but I'm always not perfect. But do I want to be? That's the thing. Is It's carrying it to full term of eternity. That's what it is. Just that diligence of prayer and perseverance. Conscientious carries with it the implication of energetic attentiveness springing from do dutiful or a sense of responsibility a studious conscientious public servant this is a quote authentically dedicated to improving the welfare of his fellow human beings that's a that's a quote by another person we don't know and then the word assiduous that was also used to describe um diligence and i have to be honest with you um i didn't even know what the word assiduous meant i mean i'm i'm just being honest with you Um, but it says assiduous and the less common sedulous, which I also didn't know what it meant, emphasize untiring exertion and earnestness of purpose. You know, that's so important, not just untiring exertion of wanting to know the Lord, but earnestness of purpose. Sometimes we need to take captive our thoughts and say, what is the motivation of my heart to do this? Is it so I can appear to be a better person? Is it so that I can handle life better? Or is it so I can really know the real Jesus, the God that that created me and his son? And what, you know, let's look and get clear. Let's have clear, clear, earnest purpose in, in, in all that we do. And then we have a clear conscience. And then what happens when you have a clear conscience? The Bible says that you... You have faith because an unclear conscience hinders your faith. And so it, it's just, it's natural. It's like a child that does something wrong and then wants something and is a little bit nervous they're going to discover that they did something wrong, you know. And uh, Storm's not supposed to have candy in his room. And um, he woke up, um, I guess, three or four days ago um, he, he has bunk beds. He woke, woke up three or four days ago. I mean, I mean, we've been through this whole kind of don't eat candy before bed, don't have candy in your room. Da, da, da. And it's because he eats it 
at 10 o'clock at night. After he's brushed his teeth, or let me put it this way, after he said he's brushed his teeth, okay? Let me put it that way. And so he wakes up in the morning. I'm waking him up. I'm like, Storm, wake up. Time for school. And he has a Hershey's wrapper stuck to the side of his cheek. And he says, Mom, I need to ask you something. I said, what do you want to ask me? And he goes, well, for Christmas, I said, hold it right there. I said, you have a Hershey's wrapper stuck on the side of your cheek. And he said, never mind. You know, I mean, that is pretty good. Okay, you all may or may not be jazz fans, and this is pretty long, so I'm going to try to go through this pretty, well, pretty fast. But most of us have heard of the famous saxophonist John Coltrane. And it just says that there are certain people, this article was written by Terrell Kent Holmes, and I took certain quotes out of it that he had written after interviewing different people and um, about John Coltrane and what made him so exceptional. And one of the persons said, Coltrane was the most humble human being I ever met. And the first person I met who was so completely dedicated to music that when he wasn't playing, he was practicing or thinking about music. The horn was in his mouth as much as possible. He was completely dedicated to music. So, you know, is it like when you're not playing or not working? I mean, it, it's just in all that we do, we work our play, we think. We, we want to be committed to and dedicated to the Lord and to what he would, would glorify him. You know, not what would glorify us or benefit us. Matter of fact, I'm disappointed in when I hear either Republicans or Democrats or independents or whoever say, I'm going to vote my pocketbook. Because that is not what God tells us to vote. He tells us to vote along with the man as, as believers or woman who would best represent and glorify him and try their best to go by his word. And to uphold his word. That's what we're supposed to do. And so it's really convicting for everybody to look at that um, that's a believer. Reggie Workman, who played bass in Train's band, Coltrane, from 1959 to 1961, said his work ethic and his ideals, his tenacity was something so high so far ahead of most people that it was just phenomenal what he created. He would play on a set for over an hour, and then he'd feel like he didn't do it the way he wanted to do it, so he'd go back and practice all through intermission. He said, I would be next to him when they would drive from, there where he was talking about driving to California for something, and he said, I could hear him practicing all night. I'd go to his room, and he'd be practicing by blowing slowly and quietly in his horn, and you could hear his keys moving, and he'd be reading the books on the floor. So just even in the night. And, the, and this doesn't mean like, okay, you have to stay up all night long. This is just showing the, the, the diligence of this man and how he was such a famous and still is such a famous, incredible, and gifted um, jazz player and, and saxophonist. And I understand, and I may be wrong, but I understand that he taught himself also, which is also diligence. Okay, I want to learn this thing. 
you know. And sometimes we have to teach ourselves. I mean, sometimes we're in a position where it's like, okay, this stinks, but I don't have anybody to guide me along. There's been a lot of times where I'm like, okay, I would really want to meet a woman who's been through, you know, the exact same thing, and I can talk to her, and she can talk to me. I'm sure you all have felt the same way. Men out there have felt the same way. Um, there have been difficulties in, in people's lives that... but. It's really awesome that we have God and we can go straight to Him, but sometimes we have to teach ourselves to do that. We can't do the excuse of, well, I didn't really see my parents do that. Um, I really never saw them reading their Bible, therefore I'm not going to read mine. Well, no, that's not an excuse. There is no excuse. It's, it's all about our own diligence, our own... That, that same question, how long you want to do this for? How long you want to do this for? So this is really cool. Um, there's so many more quotes on Coltrane, but I'll, I'll um, move on and um, go to diligence as Christians. You know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Ooh, that's kind of a heavy one. Now that we know what diligent means, that God, through Paul, is in this letter, is saying in 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Okay, am I diligent to present myself approved to God? There's a scripture I've been memorizing in, in Romans um, 12, 1, because we'll, I won't go into that story because we'll never leave. We'll go off on another tangent. But it just says, I urge you, brethren, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. And I have been... So moved by that scripture because I think I've pre- I've presented my life I've 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 committed I'll put the use word committed my life I've committed time but then there are some things we hold back from God and when I'm presenting my body to Him you know in all reality with all that you all know I'm giving Him kind of a big mess <laughs> but from that. He got me out of a big mess. There was a big chemical medicine deal going on. And you all know I don't take narcotics. I don't take a pain medicine. But it was just with some other medicines. And I was going through horrible, two really horrible, horrible days of just sweating all day, nausea, whatever. And I kept saying that scripture to God and kept saying, hey, this is your thing. I've presented my body to you. In other words, if you think sometimes that you have a problem in your body, have you presented it to God for him to heal it? Sometimes we pray for healing, but we're like, oh, but I'm in control of what I eat. Oh, but I'm in control of what I drink. I get to do control. You know, the Holy Spirit told me a couple things. Don't eat this. Don't drink this. couple things. Don't take this with this. I mean, it was just so... Interesting. Totally changed my life. Totally changed my life. 
I'm not kidding you. And, and making the impossible possible. And he can take any, any of us, but he, but he can't and won't force our hand. We have to commit our bodies. We have to commit our lives. We have to commit. We have to give it to him first so he can fix it. Give it to him first so he can do something with it. And so that be diligent to present yourself approved to God, that means like all of you, all of me, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And yeah, we go through times where it's like, if Jesus came back right now, I would not be like really happy to see him. We don't want to have times like that. We want to have times all the time where we're like never ashamed because we have our sins forgiven. Not because we haven't walked in a, not because we've walked in a perfect way, but because we are diligently seeking him. And we know that those who seek him will find him. We've not given up. You know, you need not be ashamed. It doesn't mean you don't have a day where you cry or you're sad or you struggle with forgiveness or you have your doubts or you have your fears. But it's just that how long are you going to hold on to Jesus, really? It's that same endurance thing. And if you, if you hold on to him and keep going and persevering, you need not be ashamed. And then it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's looking at God's word and just desiring to hear it, not the way maybe somebody's preached it. Seriously, I want you to look up all these scriptures for yourself because I'm not perfect. I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to go, you know, Kathleen, you taught on blah, 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 blah. And um, by the way, that was wrong. I'm going to say, okay, well, that's okay because salvation is the biggest deal, you know. But there are things on TV and on the radio that I hear people teach from scriptures. And I'm like, how did they get that? And I am convicted in not only will the word convicted comes from the word convinced. I'm convicted and have a heavy burden on myself and through the word because teachers are going to be judged more harshly. Oh, great. You know, thanks for making me a teacher, God. I'm going to be judged more harshly because they need to rightly divide the word of God. Sometimes it's great to just take a scripture out of context and make it work for me. This is what I want. This is my life. And so this is what God says, and I'm going to hold on to it. Well, you know, we can't do it. We've got to take it out of its full context and be diligent to present ourselves to God. Um, in the Amplified, I wanted to just, y'all hang in there with me on this. It's really, really, really good. I don't, I don't want to lose you. I want you to listen. In the Amplified, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That's really good. Really, really good. I'll read one more. I have several. Um, Let me look at this real quick. I'm going to read two more. There's a a Woos translation, W-U-E-S-T, and it says, Bend your every effort to present yourself to God, approved a workman unashamed, expounding soundly the word of truth. Bend your every effort. In other words, 
you be willing to be adaptable and change. Adaptability and change. Adaptability and change. You know, it's amazing how things can go one way or another just from somebody's attitude. It's amazing how one things can go one way or another, you know, from a, a, a pleasant evening to an unpleasant evening, just from someone withholding their spirit. And you can kind of feel it, like they're mad and they're just going to stop talking or something. You know what I mean? Or the evening changes when everyone just says, hey, you know what, we'll move on from here and whatever. I mean, I'm just using an example, a small example. Young's literal says, be diligent to present thyself, approved to God, a workman, irreproachable, rightly dividing the word of truth. How could we possibly be irreproachable? Because Satan is the accuser continually accusing us, which I think is so interesting that he tempts us, and then when we do it, he then accuses us of what he tempts us to do. Well, that's really nice. Well, nothing about him is nice. Nothing about him is true. Nothing about him is real. He's the greatest deceiver. He can't, he's not even a creator. He can only distort that which God created. And he's working on it. Everything beautiful that God created, Satan would want to destroy. So we stand, though, unaccused because we have the blood of Jesus on us. And we need to know that so that when we've asked for forgiveness through God, and then Satan comes to us and says again, well, no, 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 you shouldn't, no, 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 and that was stupid, no, no, no. We need to be able to say, you know, get behind me, Satan. Or go away, I've already, this is a done deal. The Bible says that Jesus sits on the right hand of God interceding for us. You know, saying, you know, Father, I was a man, and I know how this felt. I, 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 know, I know the pressure that they were under in this deal. And, um, I mean, interceding for us, Jesus gets you. I love that. I want to read this because I think it's so, so powerful. I wish I knew who prayed it, and I wish I knew when it was prayed, but I can guarantee you it was not prayed anytime recently. It's a, actually a prayer at a West Point chapel service. And I think it's really powerful. So hang in there again, okay? Bestow upon me, O Lord my God, understanding to know thee, diligence to seek thee, wisdom to find thee, and a faithfulness to, that my, that I might finally embrace thee. Be thou with me to strengthen me without me to keep above me, to protect me, beneath me, to uphold me, before me, to direct me, behind me, to keep me from strain, round about me, to defend me. Blessed be, O Lord, our Father, forever and ever. And that was a, actually a quote from Lancelot Andrews, a bishop in the Church of England and. 1555. And then this prayer, it's, it's, it, it is truly long, but it says things that are we really praying it this, this way, where we're really giving it our all. 
Thus we may abide in union with each other and Lord and possess in sweet communion joys which earth cannot afford. John Newton said that. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, just endurance and diligence with God and you possess joys together. Have you ever just been with the Holy Spirit and just cracked up? Have you ever just been with him and just said, start crying and just said, you're so amazing. What you just did was so amazing. What you just spoke to me unknowingly through that person or what you just said in my heart was so amazing. You know, those are the joys that earthly, I mean, no, nothing can buy, nothing. And I, I, I would love to read this whole prayer, but I just, it's very, very long. And, um, but it ends with, endow us with courage that is born of loyalty to all that is noble and worthy, that scorns to compromise with vice and injustice and knows no fear when right and truth are in jeopardy. Wow. I mean, if I'd read the whole prayer, you'd really be wow. But just that last sentence, could we not confer that upon our own country, our own personage, and not be afraid, you know? And I'm talking too, like sometimes, even in conversations, we find out that someone believes strongly this way, and they're very vocal. And that's okay, because that's politically correct or whatever. And then if we're vocal, we're afraid to be called this or that or be labeled. And, and this says, hey, endow us with courage that is born of loyalty to all that is noble and worthy, that scorns to compromise with vice and injustice and knows no fear when right and truth are in jeopardy. If I'm in a conversation and truth and right are in jeopardy, and the Holy Spirit moves me to say something, I should have no fear. Because it doesn't really matter what I'm labeled. Because I've committed myself to God. I'm in for the long haul, you know. He lives in me, and I want more of him in me and less of me. Like we've said so many times, you know, the, God, the world does not need more of you. I mean, truly, it doesn't. He's more of Jesus Christ. I mean, I, you, you're great and everything, and I know everybody has something to offer and super personalities and super talents and all that from God, but really, we need more Jesus. Okay? That's the answer. Here's the last proverb today. And you're going to be like, kind of like, well, how does this have to do with, with uh, being diligent? But, but I think this is going to make sense. I love this proverb. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. So if you commit your works to the Lord, your thoughts will be established. If you're committing everything to Him, then your thoughts will fall in line. Okay? In the Amplified, it really, really comes to life. Where they, they've taken the, the Hebrew and... And, and looked it up and amplified it. And I really want you to hear this. In the Amplified, Proverbs 16.3 says, Roll your works upon the Lord. There's that word roll again. In other words, sometimes they're just too heavy for us too. I mean, we just roll them. Commit. That word commit in the Hebrew means roll. We talked about that last week, I think. 
Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. When my thoughts and your thoughts are agreeable to his will, then yes, they are established and succeed. If God be with you, who can be against you? So it's saying this. Here's this little last proverb that I love so much. It's saying this to me. It says, give all that I do to God. Give all that you do to God. Cut, commit, trust him. Trust everything wholly to him. Number one. And number two, be diligent. And I just put in my own words, try hard, never quit. Persevere, be industrious, and always do your best in all you do for God. And then at the end, I just was writing this literally this morning because I had not had chance to um, finish what I felt like the Holy Spirit was going to tell us today. In the last line, I was puzzled how it got there because I typed out, and you will have success even through failure. But that is true. I mean, that's what Romans 8.28 tells us. That God can literally, it says, work all things for good of those that love him and called according to his purpose. And that word work in the Greek literally means to weave. So it's like the, 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 the tapestry of our lives, even the places where we have just totally messed up, It's more beautiful than if we hadn't. Only God can do that. Give all you do to God and be diligent. Be diligent. Don't quit. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.